Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Joe's Weather World, your only weather podcast dedicated to Kansas City. Meteorologist Joe Loria, and welcome to my very first, the very first one, numero uno, podcast number one of Joe's Weather World. Now, just a little backstory, just to kind of bring you up to date. I've been trying to do this now for about a month and a half, and for whatever reason, partly my own, partly other things, I've never been able to get around to doing something like this. But it's always been something that I've been thinking about here over the last about six or 12 months as podcasting has become more and more popular, uh, certainly nationwide, but also here at the station. A lot of folks have different podcasts. And I thought to myself, you know what we need? We need a podcast dedicated to the world of weather. That's all this is going to be. It's going to be a podcast dedicated to weather. It's going to be a lot of my thoughts about different things, things happening in Kansas City, things happening in the nation, maybe things happening in the world from a weather standpoint. Uh, most of the podcasts are probably going to be me, but every so often we're going to bring in a guest or two and chit-chat about uh, certain other aspects of the meteorological community that we've got here in Kansas City. We've got some great resources uh, that I want to kind of bring to your attention. I have done that over the years, uh, but this time we're going to do some interviews and stuff like that. So uh, that is my plan for this particular podcast. In a sense, it's almost going to be, and this is something I've actually thought about, I don't know how we can make money on this, but I always thought it would be very cool to have a weather show on the radio all dedicated to weather. I think we'd have about 10 listeners, but you know what? It'd be fun to do. So that's what this is going to be all about here as we move forward. It's a podcast dedicated to weather with a Kansas City emphasis, but other things to talk about. And every so often, I write down little stuff to talk about, and I've got a piece of paper here that I've got somewhere uh, that I wanted to kind of bring up to you. Um, for those of you who are fans of my weather blog, this is going to be a very um, kind of like companion thing to the weather blog. Usually I'll write a blog, uh, I'd probably say about four or five times a week, as long as the weather is doing something. And here it is in the fall. This is late October here in Kansas City. It's beautiful outside, and our weather has actually been pretty quiet lately. Uh, so it's been tough to kind of write blogs about different parts of the weather uh, around here when the weather has really been, uh, for all intents and purposes, kind of non-existent. It's been pretty quiet here lately. But other parts of the country, uh, not so lucky. There have been uh, quite a few uh, significant weather features that I want to kind of touch on and kind of bring back into uh, Kansas City in my own 
little way. So that is the point of the whole weather podcast. See, I had to get up and get my little sheet of paper because I had things written down. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff here that I want to kind of get over. And let's talk about what has been going on here in Kansas City. And again, we're recording this in late October, and I know odds are you're listening to it at different times. But it's been a fascinating year so far here in the middle part of the country. Of course, here in Kansas City, we had uh, a pretty decent little drought going on for most of the summertime months. Our summer was pretty toasty. We had a ridiculous number of 90-degree days over the past summer. I want to say something like close to 60 different 90-degree days or higher. A few one hundred smattered in. And when you have all the dry weather like what we saw for most of the spring and summer and what a weird spring it was right we had all that cold weather in march and april it snowed in the middle part of april for goodness sakes and then finally we flipped the switch and we jumped right into summer uh, once we got to to those last few days of april and then of course may and june were ridiculously warm it was hot we dried out it was just kind of weird threw the trees off they they were late in blooming and then as soon as they bloomed and as soon as all the agricultural needs started to come out of their dormancy, boom, you went right into a drought. So it, it created all sorts of stress, uh, not only on the grass. I know at least my house, I lost a lot of grass this year, probably more so than I've lost in any other year. I'm not a big waterer, and I definitely paid the price for that lack of watering uh, for the summer season. But I'm trying to regrow it right now, and it's starting to kind of come along pretty good. But so what I think uh, the topics that I wanted to start with this particular podcast is the, the drought that we had transitioning to the deluge that we saw uh, during the month of October. And while we still may see just a little bit more rain before the month is done, it's going to turn out to be our 14th wettest month in Kansas City weather history. And that's saying something because, you know, we've had a lot of wet months. Think of all those big flooding rains that we've had during the summertime season around this part of the country. It's just been very, very wet uh, at certain times, uh, you know, over the last few years. And sure enough, this year, once again, we had a very, very wet month. We went from a drought to a deluge. And some parts of the area have had close to 12 to 15 inches of rain for the month of October. And that's a lot of rain. I mean, it really is unusual. And, you know, when you think about it, here we are. We're up to uh, now the 14th uh, wettest month of any month in 131 years of Kansas City weather records. And when you think 131 years, you multiply those years by 12 I can't do the math because that's not what I do right now. Uh, you get a lot of months, and when you're up to number 14, uh, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, again, some areas had 12, 14, 15, 16 inches of rain just this month alone. So it's been quite the reversal. So the drought is over with, and that's certainly good news uh, for everybody who is concerned about something along those lines. All right, next topic. Of conversation, we had a, a strange little shot of snow. How many of you remember the snow that we saw a few weeks ago on a Sunday night? That very unusual, the earliest measurable snow in Kansas City weather history. So this month has been doing all sorts of crazy and bizarre things. We had two-tenths of an inch of snow officially up at KCI 
It doesn't snow often in October, and sure enough, we actually had accumulating snow. And there were parts of northern Missouri that had an inch of snow in early October a couple of weeks ago. So that's really a walk on the wild side. So we broke the drought. We had ridiculous cold. We had a couple of record low temperatures. We had snow, which doesn't happen all that often. And uh, it's been just kind of a, a fascinating month. And don't forget about Hurricane Michael. Now, this one didn't really affect Kansas City per se, but my goodness gracious, what Michael did to the southeast part of the country, in particular the state of Florida, is really incredible. Northwestern Florida, there are still thousands upon thousands upon thousands of folks without power in northwestern Florida. And while they're not getting the attention they probably deserve, once you go a little bit inland, and obviously you've seen the videos of the devastation in Mexico Beach, Florida, where it's going to take years to recover from uh, that particular storm, the storm surge, the winds, a Category 4 hurricane. I think I saw some of the highest wind gusts close to 130 miles an hour recorded onshore. And that was right along the coast, and that's where typically everybody focuses their attention. But this was an unusual hurricane. It was intensifying as it came ashore. And a lot of times, you know, these hurricanes, when they come ashore in the northern reaches of the Gulf of Mexico, they actually are weakening. But this one actually was intensifying. How many of you remember Katrina from years ago? Well, that was actually kind of falling apart to a certain extent as it was coming ashore. Michael, though, different animal. It was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And what happens now is uh, they go back and they look at some of the research, some of the observations that are unofficial and official, and they look and see whether or not Michael might have been a Category 5 at landfall as it was just intensifying up to the point where it finally crossed the shoreline. And I alluded to this earlier. Of course, everybody focuses their attention on the coastal area right along the beach. But what people don't really grasp is what happens inland, especially in this particular case. Once he got inland off the coast, there was widespread tree devastation, widespread residential devastation. I mean, this thing went all the way up into Georgia as a major hurricane. First time ever, if I remember correctly, that Georgia has been affected uh, by a major hurricane, I want to think. Uh, 110 mile an hour winds devastating the peanut crop. A lot of the corn crop and the cotton crop especially got really ripped to shreds in the state of Georgia. So Georgia also got hit very, very hard uh, by what was left of Michael. And Michael still had plenty left by the time it got up into Georgia and then it went up towards the mid-Atlantic states. So Michael is definitely going to be one of the biggest weather events, I think, uh, for the month of October and probably for 2018 overall. I mean, it's just crazy how, uh, how devastating Michael was from a power standpoint and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, they've come a long ways. Like I mentioned, there are still thousands of people without power in that part of the country and uh you know it's something that you know when we have hurricanes like this it, it just takes years to recover years to recover how about uh another little tidbit for you and that's what this podcast is all about tidbits things that you probably don't know in other words what your weather app can't tell you one of my popular segments that i do every night that i'm on the air phoenix arizona let's go to the other side of the country speaking of october's third wettest month okay 
ever, any month, in Phoenix, Arizona. They were affected by some tropical systems earlier in the month. Uh, they've had over five inches of rain, which I know for us, right, that's half the rain that we've had so far this month here in Kansas City. But for Phoenix, that's a lot of rain. Uh, third wettest month ever. And uh, for the month of October, at least, it's their wettest October ever. All right. And I'm going to tell you a connection or maybe a connection. I'm not sure about that. But uh, I'm going to tell you something about wet Octobers in Phoenix and maybe something along our winter lines uh, here. Uh, but in Phoenix, typically they get all their rain during the monsoon season. And the monsoon season for them is typically June, July, August, maybe some lingering activity into September. And sure enough, when you look at their wettest months, it's July uh, back in 1911, September back in 19, I want to say 39, I think, where they had uh, five, six, six and a half inches of rain. Those are their wettest months. So it's very unusual in the month of October for them to do so well, and they have done so well in the Phoenix area. So is there a connection to us and the winter here? Well, you know, it's interesting because I look back at some of these really wet Octobers in the Phoenix area. I went and basically looked at this October, which is number one. And then I looked at the other eight or nine Octobers that were so wet out there because there are some who feel that, you know, if conditions in the desert southwest are are favorable for rain, and, and they have been lately, and, you know, can you take a straight line, which you should never do in weather, and draw that to maybe something interesting for us during the winter season? So one of my weather blogs that I did a couple of weeks ago was looking at Phoenix and then extrapolating that and looking at what would happen around here when Phoenix has such wet conditions during the fall, especially in the month of October. What would happen around here? Uh, in terms of possibly, maybe, some extra snow. Huh? Interesting. Uh, so I did all this research about this, and what I discovered was there was a, a pretty decent correlation that when they had very wet Octobers, we had snowy winters here in Kansas City. And I'm starting to get a lot of questions from folks who are curious about winter forecasts and what we're thinking and stuff like that. It's still a little early uh, to kind of wrap my head around that. Uh, but I'm starting to look. There are a couple of things that I'm looking at in particular. But uh, sure enough, when October is wet in Phoenix, not all the time, uh, but when Octobers are wet in Phoenix, there's a connection to more snow during our winter season here in Kansas City, or at least a statistical connection. Maybe not a weather connection, I don't know. Uh, but like I said, it, it was interesting when I was doing uh, that particular research. It was just kind of uh, in my mind for whatever reason. Hey, speaking of winter forecasts, the folks at NOAA came out with their winter forecast a couple of weeks ago, and I don't like the way they do things. Uh, they're, they're so probability-based that uh, they just don't say, warmer or colder they they do probability so they do something along the lines of we think uh x spot in the country has a slightly better chance of milder than average temperatures and then another spot has a better chance than that and then a third spot has an even better chance of that and then they have uh what they call equal chances and i know this is a podcast it's not visual 
So I'll have to kind of paint the picture for you. But basically, they were feeling that the Pacific Northwest had the best chance of having warmer than average temperatures for the winter. And here in Kansas City, they kind of gave us a, a slightly better chance, about a one in three chance of having milder than average temperatures or temperatures that trended at least a little bit above average. How much above average, they aren't specific. All right. And then they had areas, if I remember correctly, off towards the southeast part of the country, what they consider equal chances, 50-50. Thanks, guys, uh, for that guidance, if you will. So uh, I don't like the way they do their winter forecast, but that's the way they do it. And then for precipitation, um, if memory serves, we were in the equal chances area, which... Um, okay, that basically just means they, they were thinking 50-50. It could be more rain or more snow or more moisture. That would probably be the better way of describing it. A 50-50 chance of uh, one or the other. A couple of things that they're watching. One thing that I'm watching, and maybe they're starting to watch it too, uh, but there's a developing El Nino going on in the tropical Pacific. And for those of you who don't know, if you don't read the weather blog, by the way, fox4kcu.com slash Joe's blog for the weather blogs. El Nino is basically a abnormal warming. Maybe abnormal isn't the right word because these things happen quite a bit. But it's a warming of the waters down towards the equatorial Pacific Ocean. Uh, typically, it extends from the central Pacific, eastbound near and north of the equator, to off the coast of South America. And there are different types of El Ninos. There are El Ninos that are uh, focused more towards South America, where the warmest waters compared to average are closer to the coast of South America. And then there are El Ninos that are focused more towards the central Pacific Ocean. And this one is more out towards the central part of the Pacific Ocean. A lot of people uh, are kind of misinformed about El Nino when they kind of try to base a winter forecast off of it. Uh, only because they don't take into account where El Nino actually is and where it's the strongest. And that's one of those things that you have to kind of pay attention to as a meteorologist. So uh, this particular El Nino is more focused out on the western portion of the area of the world that we kind of keep an eye on. We call it a Motokai El Nino. And it has different effects in the country, all right? especially here in the United States, as opposed to an El Nino that might be what we call east-based or more towards the coast of South America. And El Ninos do control, maybe control isn't the right word, influence uh, jet stream patterns around the northern hemisphere, uh, maybe so much even here in the United States. Uh, depending on the strength of El Nino, this one is not going to be overly strong. It'll probably be a high-end weak to maybe low and moderate El Nino. When you have a really strong El Nino when these waters in the equatorial Pacific are really warm, and let's see, I'm trying to remember, 1997, 1998 was the last time we had a really strong one. The influence of El Nino can really dictate the weather. That was a ridiculously mild winter. We had uh, a little bit of snow, not much, but the mild temperatures were very common for the United States that particular winter season. This one isn't going to quite do that, okay? But there's another feature that uh, people are just now starting to talk about, and we've talked about this before on Joe's Weather World that we do every Tuesday, uh, or actually every Friday during the 9 a.m. show. And this feature is what is affectionately known 
as the blob. All right, B-L-O-B. I've blogged about the blob over the course of a couple of weather blogs in the last few weeks. But the blob is basically this abnormally warm area of water in the northern Pacific Ocean. Uh, Basically, from around the coast of Alaska, if you were to go south from there, from the Aleutian Islands, the Gulf of Alaska, to roughly the latitude of northern California. It's a big, big, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of square mile area of warmer northern Pacific Ocean waters. We've seen this blob, B-L-O-B, appear in the past, uh, back in 2014, 2015, I think it was a common feature there. And those little things, uh, actually it's not a little thing, those big things can influence, again, influence jet stream patterns around the country. And typically what happens with this blob, assuming it stays where it roughly is now, uh, basically what happens is it means Alaska... Uh, has a tendency to have warmer than average temperatures. And it's been a bizarre month of October in Alaska. It finally is starting to snow in a few areas there. But they've had very, very mild temperatures. Fairbanks, I want to say, hadn't had snow up until just a few days ago. That's never happened before up in the state of Alaska. Alaska has been very, very warm for the month of uh, October. I wrote a blog about this back on uh, February or February, October 19th. Uh, talking about this weather blob and how it may, may play a role in our weather here in the middle part of the country. So what happens is this blob of water, this warm water in the northern Pacific Ocean, basically allows a a bigger area of high pressure, okay, to control the state of Alaska. So Alaska typically uh, is warmer than average. Now, in the world of weather, Not all the time, some of the time, but it's an indicator that when Alaska is warm, okay, that means that there's a ridge of high pressure over Alaska, and there has to be a yin and a yang to the world of weather. When there's a high-pressure area up there that's, I don't want to say permanent, it's semi-permanent, it it seems like it wants to keep coming back, okay? When something like that occurs, then there has to be a dip in the jet stream, off towards the east, downstream, if you will, of the state of Alaska. And that dip in the jet stream is more common than not in the central and eastern part of the country. And we're starting to see this a little bit here during the month of October. So what does that mean for us? It means that potentially I could see a setup where we have colder temperatures uh, through parts of the winter than what we've seen, all right, over the last few years. And... We have to keep an eye on this because sometimes if you have this big ridge of high pressure up in Alaska, then you have storms cutting underneath that area of high pressure. That affects California, maybe with some extra rain. And those storms can interact with the colder air. Okay, that comes down from Canada. It's being deflected away from Alaska, coming down through Canada, focusing on the eastern third of the United States. And maybe, just maybe, it's an indicator for an above average amount of snow here in Kansas City. So there are two indicators for you. One, the weird things going on in the desert southwest. And two, this blob that we've been keeping an eye on off the coast of Alaska, the northern portion of Alaska. 
All right, so those are just a, a few of the things that I'm looking at for the winter season. All right, a couple of other things that I want to uh, kind of finish this first podcast up on. Uh, how about the severe weather situation? Now, here in Kansas City this year, we've actually had uh, tornadoes. They've been little baby tornadoes, thank goodness. Uh, but we've actually had some touchdowns. We've had uh, we had five back in early May. Uh, we had another one uh, that we saw back in uh, the middle part of October on that Wednesday night. It was a couple of Wednesdays ago. Just a very brief little touchdown over towards uh, Shawnee. So that's what six, seven different brief, thankfully, week, thankfully, tornadoes within the heart of Kansas City. That's pretty impressive. I mean, thank goodness they weren't any stronger than that. Uh, but you get the idea that severe weather has not exactly been um, you know, a stranger for us here. We've had some strong winds from these storms as well. But here's something interesting, right? Nationwide, okay, and, and think about the whole nation. Typically, you get about 1,200 tornadoes nationwide in a year. This year, we're running well below that. Uh, somewhere around 850, maybe close to 900 or so. But get this, okay? There has never been a year, okay, without a what we call violent tornado. And a violent tornado has winds of uh, 150 miles an hour, if not stronger, EF4, EF5 type storms, all right? Never been a year that, that we haven't had that. This year, probably jinxing ourselves here, this year, we have not had an EF4 or an EF5 tornado. Isn't that amazing? And for the last couple of years, as a matter of fact, uh, there's actually been a, a downward decrease, it seems, in these really strong tornadoes um, that typically the United States gets. But for whatever reason, we haven't really seen it all that bad uh, in terms of tornadic, devastating Storms. Now, there have been some, don't get me wrong. An EF4 tornado has winds of minimum 166 miles an hour. EF5 tornado has winds over 200 miles an hour. So, uh, you know, it's something that is very, very unusual. It seems like we used to talk about these things much more than what we've had to talk about, thankfully. So far, the last one, and we're not expecting any severe weather of violent natures, uh, in the United States here for a little while. Uh, but the last time there was the an EF4 tornado was back in April of 2017. All right, so we're going through the longest stretch of non-violent tornadoes. Now, you know, people will say, well, my house got hit by a tornado and it ripped off the roof and it was violent to me. Totally get it. Got your Got your vantage point. Totally get it. But in the weather world, we consider violent tornadoes to be tornadoes with at least winds of 166 miles an hour. And that is something we have not seen for quite some time. So there's that little tidbit for you. Uh, we've talked about winter forecasts. We've talked about uh, this lack of really strong tornadoes. And we've talked about a lack of severe weather, in, at least nationwide, but certainly here in Kansas City, we've had some weak tornadoes, and again, thankfully, they've all been very, very weak. All right, so that's going to do it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to my very, 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 very first weather podcast. I'm hoping to make this somewhat of a semi-regular feature. 
I'll be uh, talking about this on the weather blog. Again, if you want to follow along on the weather blog, it's something that uh, for you weather geeks out there, I think you probably know of it, but hopefully you enjoy it as well. And that's under fox4kc.com slash Joe's blog. And also on Twitter, I'm a Twitter fiend. I'm Twitter obsessed. Fox4WX on Twitter. And you can like my Facebook page at Joe Loria, Fox4 Meteorologist. And at some point we'll have you ask questions, and I'll answer those questions. That'll be part of a podcast or maybe in addition to the podcast that we do every so often. I'm not sure how often we're going to do these. I could probably talk about the weather just about every day for about a half hour. Uh, but at least uh, every couple of weeks and maybe even more than that, uh, we'll do a podcast. If I could get a good guest, if I have a few thoughts I want to share with you, uh, we'll be definitely podcasting that uh, for you. So uh, thank you so much again for uh, joining me. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, get a hold of me through Twitter, through Facebook, and let me know your thoughts about this particular podcast and the podcasts that are on their way to you over the next uh, several months and hopefully the next several years. Uh, Nick and I, by the way, did a podcast. It's on the page somewhere on fox4kc.com slash podcast, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that uh, you'll probably get a chuckle out of. We told some stories. I told some stories and some background and stuff like that. And I've got some stories I want to tell you, too, uh, over the coming months. So that's it. Have yourself a wonderful day. I hope you're, you're enjoying this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And I look forward to uh, podcasting again in probably in the next couple of weeks, if not before. So, again, thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.